Hey team, it's Matt Rinkine here. And you might have heard, my brand new book releases on Amazon on March 8th. It's been a labor of love that I think can really help you navigate some of the challenges you're experiencing in your own life. I go over toxic positivity and how to think you're in it for everyone else. In reality, you're in it for yourself. And I express that through this entire book and help learn from our own mistakes and how to turn the lens on ourselves and ask good questions. So go to Amazon on March 8th and you can get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. That's it for me. Let's get into today's episode. Today, it is a sincere honor, pleasure, privilege to introduce to the podcast my new friend, Dr. Rebecca Heiss. Dr. Rebecca, I'm just going to call her Rebecca because okay, she's seriously. yeah, she's Rebecca and she's amazing. And Rebecca, tell me, how are you doing today? I'm doing phenomenal. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much for having me on. The energy in my day just got boosted up to like 5,000. It was at 100 to start, but just having this conversation with you, I feel energized, ready to tackle the world. Well, hell yeah. I'd ask you this before we dive into the hardest question, which is always the first question. I'll, I'll ask you, when you say that just a phenomenal day, why do you say phenomenal day? I hear people say to me, I'm good. How are you? Why phenomenal for you today, Rebecca? Because why not? Right? Like, what, What's to complain about? My true belief is that if you are looking for a phenomenal day, you are going to have a phenomenal day. If you are looking for an okay day, you're going to have an okay day. So I'm always looking for like the sun is shining. I'm above ground. I'm having an energizing conversation. What could possibly be bad about this day? It's a phenomenal day. I'm going to keep labeling it so. Appreciate this. I love it and inspired by it already. Sentiment is very, very similar. My intention for the day is always to show up, play all in, you get the best that we have, love and look for the good. And when the hard stuff comes, just let it flow right on through us and let's use it to our advantage. Let's learn from it. Let's be curious to it. So I feel there's a kindred spirit, a sister from another mister here. I just I love what I'm hearing. And having shared that, people sometimes think that uh, all this positive, all this energy, these people are vanilla. There's nothing hard for them. They're always just uh, candy balloons and unicorns. And I know that's not a fact. That's actually the farthest from the truth. Things can be this difficult and are difficult. And I want to hit you with the hard-hitting question right away. What is some of the hardest stuff that you have ever been through in your life that you can share with us today? Take it where you like. Oh, my gosh. I could take this in 60 different directions. I appreciate the reference to, you know, not having this toxic positivity. There's bad stuff that's happening all the time. And I think when you look at the research, it's actually the bad stuff that makes our lives meaningful and important and valuable. And we feel more fulfilled as a result of it. So I think the direction that I want to go is actually the direction that I want to avoid <laughs> most because that feels that feels most real. And that is probably the hardest thing that I ever went through was a miscarriage a year ago. So to be fair, I had never wanted kids. It was not in my books. And so I'm just going to be completely open on your podcast today. I've been on the pill for my entire life. We had zero plans. My husband and I, he has two wonderful sons. I have two wonderful stepsons. They're grown. I woke up one day and I was like, this feels weird. Realized I was pregnant. Sat down with my husband that night and was like, um surprise what what are we gonna do here like this is this is an unplanned adventure wow we had some really difficult big talks and within a week i was like this is the most important thing that i've ever done and i was so excited and so all in i was watching this little poppy seed become a lemon become you know it was so exciting we picked out names we told our family and unfortunately i was up in cleveland with my very best friend i was delivering a talk the next day and i woke up recognizing that you know that was actively having a miscarriage and it was 
it was a lot more pain than I ever, not physical, but emotional pain that I ever anticipated. I tell this story now sometimes in my keynotes because I think the reason I got through it was twofold. One, I had incredible support from friends and family. And I had no idea the the trauma that women and, and men and, and all genders go through in this experience. But the second reason is that I had the most tremendous care. I ended up being of all luck right next to the Cleveland Clinic. And the woman who came in, sat down, put her hand in mine. She didn't come in with her white lab coat or all her credentials. You know, she was the number one Harvard graduate of her class. None of that. She just sat down, hand in hand, looked me in the eye and said, Hey, I'm Kate. And I'm going to take really good care of you. That's what I remember most is that in that moment of fear and stress and anxiety and emotional overwhelm and where I thought my life was going, I had someone that was just really a human beside me that made a huge difference in just seeing her humanity. Thank you for sharing that. You remind me of a quote I heard from Maya Angelou. People don't remember what you said or what you did. They remember how you made them feel. And to Kate at the Cleveland Clinic, Thank you. That's amazing. Yeah. Talk about a lesson for leaders, right? I mean, I I tear up every time I think about it because, you know, we always think we have to be somebody. We have to prove ourselves. We have to have all these credentials. We have to show up as something. And to me, the most powerful thing was that she just showed up. You know, she was just there as Kate. Present, Kate, caring about people. Just be present. Just be there for people. I love it. And just thinking about that moment, how did you get through that day and that week? I mean, how did the next day or week or two unfold after that experience? What was the next part? Well, I was sobbing a lot. I'll be honest with you. You know, I, I felt it. I let the stress be what it was. I think so often in life, I'm a stress physiologist. So this is always my perspective of like, how do we, how do we transform that stress into something that's useful for us? I think most of the time you can, because most of the time you can transform it into an adventure. But there are moments in life, the loss of a spouse, the loss of a child, a cancer diagnosis, where life kind of rips the rug out. I don't think it's our job to transform anything in that moment. I think it's our job to feel it all so that we can become more empathetic to people around us and use that eventually to help heal others. Because you don't get post-traumatic growth without trauma. So we only get to, this sounds super cheesy, but it's true. We only get to grow through what we go through. So that next week was filled with a lot of tearful conversations. It was filled with a lot of forgiveness and love for myself because, you know, those stories get really loud in your head of, oh my gosh, you did something wrong and you screwed up and all of these things. It's a lot of self-care, you know? I mean, I let myself sleep for 12 hours a day and cry the rest of it. I truly believe I came out stronger as a result. I certainly have transformed how I understand the experience of being a woman, the trauma for not just any woman carrying a child and the stress that goes along with it, but the entire family, how it affects the entire family. It's been a difficult but useful experience for me. You're saying something to me that years ago, the way that me, I'm 46 now, the way I grew up, it's not something that men are not supposed to feel it all and talk about their feelings. And you're talking about transforming stress into something that can serve you. And the first thing you share is learn to feel it all. And that is counterintuitive to people of my age group and older, unless we're really focused on that. That's not something we even know how to do. So where do we go from here if we don't know? You're giving me you're giving me all the chills. <laughs> yeah. If we don't know what this means, then how do I even take in what you just said if I don't know what it means to feel it all or how to feel it all? 
Yeah. I mean, where do I start? This is, this is such a good question. And first of all, thank you for bringing up this gender difference and divide. If I can go down a, a rabbit hole for a second before I answer your question, I think one I love of the rabbit biggest... holes. Yeah, let's go. Oh, good. <laughs> good. One of, one of the biggest things that I've been trying to push is I'm all about cheerleading women and getting women into positions of leadership and power because there has been this differential power differential for as long as we've existed. But there's also a lack of support for men in that if we're pushing women into positions of power and leadership as they've traditionally been defined by men, where do men go? And where's the cheerleading for men who are getting in touch with their feminine side, who are spending more time in the home with the family? I don't think there's this same wave of support and rallying around that. I think as a result, we're seeing a lot of men especially around your age group, feeling very lost. Like, I see all of these women doing well and I want that for them. But like, what about what about me? What do I do? How do I feel? Nobody's coached me ever about how I can show up and be a valued member of society if I have feelings and emotions and I don't just provide financially, but I provide emotional support and nurturing. And I think recognizing that we are all human, independent of our gender or how we identify, like, it's the human experience. So really creating a safe space for men to have those feelings, to recognize like, hey, look, I see you. It's okay. It's okay. You don't lose your value or your worth because you feel. In fact, it increases. <laughs> you know, it increases you're more human and you can be more capable of love because you're more, more in tune with feeling it. It's like, how do I feel my heartbreak if I don't feel my heart? <laughs> Yeah, well, because I've been trained to not show that feeling in public or maybe even solo, because that's not what men do, I suppose. That's the way it was trained. And since, well, to be honest with you, since I had children, now I cry at the drop of a, like a, a breeze. Oh now it makes me cry all the time, right? <laughs> I, I literally cried in front of 50 people I was facilitating for a couple weeks ago when someone was talking about the impact they had on one life. And all of a sudden, I'm on stage facilitating and a, and a tear starts to show up. So I'm totally comfortable with it now. The transformation has been difficult. It's been challenging. I'll tell you, the hardest thing, I truly believe this, the hardest thing you will ever become is yourself. Because there is so much societal pressure for you know a woman to look beautiful and young and all of those pressures. And for men to be providers and earn and be those tough, like, masculine. And your identity really gets intertwined in that. Until you hit some age, I don't know what that magical age is. I'm trying to push it back further and further for these young kids to say, look, who are you at your core? Who are you? How do you want to show up? Do you want to wear makeup? Great. Wear makeup. If it's for you, it's for you. Do you want to express? Like, how do you want to show up? That's a hard question. It's a really hard question. Yeah. How do you want to show up? Yeah. That, <laughs> you want to get someone to pause and think for a minute. Uh, yeah. I love that one. I love the question. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I'll ask you, Thanks. how do you want to show up? As a positive force for the world, I want to show up with kindness. I want to show up as my full self. Like I, today, I ask this question of myself every single day, Matt. How do I want to show up today? Because whatever happened yesterday, that's my past. Tomorrow is a gift if I get it. What am I going to do today to be more me? I always come back to this experiment with two violins. So I'll tell this story in case you haven't heard it. There's, there's two violins, right? And you can take them and tune them to one another. Put one in one side of the room and one in the other corner of the room. And when you pluck the string on one violin, the other one will vibrate with the same frequency. It'll play the same note. Humans are the exact same because we're so socially in tune with one another that energy is contagious. I say this not as like a woo-woo thing. Like I'm a scientist, but energy is contagious. I walk into the room and I'm like, hey, Matt, how's it going? 
you just <laughs> suck all the energy out, right? Yeah. But like we get on this call today and Matt, you're like, hey, and you're bouncing the ball. And we're like, hey, we're talking, we're having fun. And I'm like through the roof of my energy level right now because it's so contagious. So to me, how do I want to show up in the world? I want to show up as a contagion for happiness, as a contagion for joy, as a contagion of what's possible, as a contagion of fearing less, doing more, like living more, having more experiences. That's how I want to show up. When did you come to this place? Do you think about this every day? Is this, I've been doing this since I was 12 years old, or was there a moment that you decided to consciously start to show up like this every day? How did you get this way? Yeah. And I love this I mean, way, listen, by the I, way. How did you I, get this I, way? Thanks, thanks, thanks. <laughs> no, no, thanks, Matt. And, and listen, I, I want to be really honest with your listeners, your viewers, whatever. Like, I don't show up sunshine and flowers every day. It's not like I can just turn it on. It's who I am am internally. This is literally who I am. This is not me on cups of coffee or like, this is who I have to be. It's who I am. And some days who I am isn't as peppy. So just to like push that in. But did I consciously decide? I think growing up, we all fall to the training <laughs> that we've had. So, you know, I struggled. I was anorexic when I was 12 years old. I was trying to conform and fit in and like be the thing that I was supposed to be. I was smart and that was what I was valued for. So I was like, oh, I'm going to collect degrees. I'm going to show people how smart I am. I'm going to prove myself so I can show that I have value and worth in the world. And I just did all the things that I was supposed to be doing. My sister's wife, who was like a second sister to me, she'd been in my life for 20 years at that point, was diagnosed with terminal cancer. It's another rug gets pulled out moment. And I looked around at my life. I had this incredible academic position. I was valued in the community. I had a beautiful house. I was married to a very kind man. And I was like, I won't say the word, but like, this is not me. This is not who I am. Every single decision I have made in my life, I have made out of fear. I have made out of trying to please other people. I have made out of societal expectations. And I was like, no, if that had been my diagnosis, I'd be so disappointed in my life. So I quit my job, sold my house and divorced my husband that month. What? Yeah. Wow. Boom. Like little explosion, blow up your life moment. But you got to blow things up to reconstruct, right? So sometimes it's, you got to hit that, hit that deep, deep falling apart. (laughs) What? What? That month, that particular month, can you enlighten us with a little bit of details of what you were feeling, what you were thinking? Just that month sounds like so much packed full of learning and pain and love and everything. So can you take us back to that month, please? Yeah, you're giving me a lot of credit that you thought that I was learning in that month because I will tell you what that month looked like. I tried very hard not to go back and romanticize it because it's it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I did all this and I blossomed this speaking career and a book out of it. Dude, it was the worst. It was so bad. I didn't have a place to stay. I'll tell you, it's kind of funny. It's funny when you think back on it. I sold my house without anywhere to go. I wasn't thinking right about the future at all. It was just like, this is not right right now. So I lived in a hotel for a little bit. And then I got <laughs> so it was like the lowest point of my life. I got covered in bed bugs. You know, I'm just like, this is this is so bad. What? And then this little crazy thing happened. So I ended up Airbnb at this beautiful place in Burksville, Virginia. So hi guys in Burksville. I Airbnb for like a week because that's what I could afford. You know, I like I don't have an income at this point. It's a beautiful location. It's on this organic farm. And the woman who owned the Airbnb said, Oh, you need to meet my husband. Just like hang out. Let's go to lunch. So we all go out to lunch. Her husband is the formal medical 
president of Harvard Medical Faculty. So we had this incredible conversation about evolution and diversity and like, and stress. And, you know, I tell him my whole predicament and this is what's going on in my life. My grandmother's dying here. My sister's getting treatment there. I'm kind of splitting the difference between New York and North Carolina and Virginia seems like the place to be. So that's why I ended up here. And they're like, we've got a house that we're renovating. It's not anything nice, but like, if you need a place to stay, Matt, you want to talk about the kindness of strangers? I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry thinking about this because I stayed there for a month and a half. These people were so good to me. Wow. I pulled my life together there. I started writing my book. I built a website to be a speaker during that time and really, really found myself again, found my own voice again. It was due to the kindness of these strangers. You asked me how I want to show up in the world. I want to show up as a kind person to strangers. I want to not know what they're going through and be the person that they look to and say, ah, that's a Kate. That's a person who shows up. Thanks thanks so much for sharing this. This is real and unfiltered and appreciated. And we love you for sharing this depth. (laughs) Thank you. And I'm going to go nerd, straight up nerd on you for a second here. And you're probably going to love this because you mentioned a couple of terms throughout all of this. You've talked about stress. You've talked about evolution. You mentioned you're a scientist. What's the intersection of scientists, stress and evolution and title of evolutionary biologist, stressed expert. What does that actually mean? Help us understand any of those terms. Put them all together in a basket, shake them up, and then help us understand what does that mean? Roll the dice. Um, so, so again, those are those are basically collections of pieces of paper that say that I know something. Right? I've got degrees in, in ornithology. Weird bird nerd. Yeah, it's a whole nother aside. Evolution and human behavior. Yeah, I always studied crows for ten years. Matt, we're gonna have to have a follow up conversation on crows. I am super interested okay. in crows. No one's ever talked about crows, and I'm super interested in nerding out on crows and uh, any of right. these subjects. Well, let's let's yeah, nerd out. But yeah. continue, please. <laughs> so, evolution and human behavior. So, how our brains evolved during ancestral times. Basically, that's the brain that we're stuck with today, like it or not, because evolution is slow, and we have got this brain that is built for times that are not what we're living in. And so this is where sort of stress physiology comes in. So stress physiology is what happens in your body, the hormones, the neurotransmitters, all the things that happen when you're under stress. And our physiology isn't built for the modern world. You get a ping, you get a ding, like those are, well, think about the time of our ancestors, a ping, a ding, a rustling in the bushes is like, whoo, that needs an immediate response. Oh my gosh, what's that thing? Oh my gosh, I have to do it right now. And uh, Dude, it's not a tiger, but our body treats stress as if it's life-threatening. Because to quote Robert Sapolsky or butcher his quote, Robert Sapolsky is one of the most incredible stress physiologists of our time. He describes stress as stress should be three minutes of agonizing terror across the savannah. It's like a three-minute experience of absolute terror, after which either you're dead or the stress is over. Right? Like that should be it because the tiger either eats you or like the tiger's gone. And that's what our body is built for. The problem, of course, is that that's not the environment that surrounds us. So we're constantly in this fight, flight, freeze mode of like, I have to do this thing and I'm going to type this test email because now I'm angry and oh my gosh, I can't do it. It's too much. I'm overwhelmed and I'm going to procrastinate. I'm going to freeze. I'm just going to sit back and like, boof, and binge watch something. And so that's how our body is processing those modern environments. Where the intersection of all of that is, is that my work helps people understand that and put into practice various systems that help us become more conscious of our stress response and adapt our stress response to the modern environment. Wow. (laughs) It's a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I'm trying to think about how stressful it is when you're running across the savannah being chased by a tiger or a lion. That's never happened to me, and I can only imagine I'm fighting for my life. That's not the stress that many of us might feel every day if it's a financial stress or if it's a couple kids yelling at each other or if it's a boss who makes a passive-aggressive comment and that causes stress. I mean, these are totally different things than fighting for survival. So this is the whole thing that I built my speaking career around is like, okay, well, if we're going to be fearful which is our natural response. Like I have to survive. Our brain is really built for survival and reproduction. Like that's it. It's survival and sex. That's what we're thinking about all the time. We see a person, the first thing we notice is, is this person going to kill me? Or is this a potential mate? Like that's, sorry guys, we like to think that we're complex, but we're just not. Those are our basic instincts. And so once we understand that that's how our brain is processing, we can start to say, okay, I feel all of this going on, but this isn't a tiger. Okay. When I know that it's not a tiger, then I can begin to work to recalibrate that stress response. I seek discomfort. What does seeking discomfort look like? You've probably heard the like, get out of your comfort zone. (laughs) That's what that's all about. You're actually recalibrating your stress response to demonstrate that, yes, you might feel it, but you're still safe within it. So I will often challenge people to, I don't know, like right now, you can go ahead and release a guttural scream, Matt. Ah! Do you feel that immediate? Like, <laughs> awesome, freaking amazing. Did you have a moment where you were like, dude, that's gonna, people are gonna judge me, they're gonna reject me? What's the thing? All those stories that go on in our head, that what you're doing is you're like, oh, I did the thing, I didn't die, huh? And our brain records this. So the more we do these kinds of exercises, you know, I could ask you to sing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. You're going to have another set of stories that pop up in your brain like, oh my God, right? Right? It's the stressful response. And again, nothing bad is going to happen. So we train our brain by doing these slightly uncomfortable things so that when discomfort actually finds us and we're not seeking it, our brain goes, oh, I know what this is. Hey, guess what? It's not a tiger. You don't have to go to these subconscious, you know, instinctual reactions of fight, flight, freeze. We're okay to stay right here. So I ask people to go through an exercise. I call it three, two, one, or ABC. The first step is awareness. Like you have to be aware of your stress response. Most of us aren't. Most of us wake up, we check our phones, and we're immediately in that stress response because, you know, we see those 15 emails or like we start to breathe more shallowly and we don't even recognize it, right? So just take three minutes and become aware, especially when you get triggered. Set a timer. Some people will say, well, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to lean into my stress. I'm like, absolutely you do. Otherwise, it's like me telling your listeners, hey, don't think about pink elephants right now. Oh no. Matt, Matt, don't you do it. <laughs> don't don't think about it. don't right. The more we try to avoid the stress, the more it just kind of builds. So give yourself the space and time to be aware of it, to name it to tame it. I'm gonna name it, I'm gonna be very clear about what it is, and I'm gonna set my timer for three minutes and I'm gonna worry the hell out of it. I'm just going to think about it and get anxious about it, get all that energy up. Cool. Now you've gotten to that first part of that initial tiger response. The second step, the B, take a breath. I know it's everybody's least favorite thing, but as a stress physiologist, I am telling you, it is the most powerful thing that you have in your arsenal. That slow breath, when you take a slow conscious breath, you're signaling to your brain, it's not a threat. When a lion's chasing you, you never go... So when you do that, that simple act, you demonstrate to your body and your brain, you're safe. So take two of those grounding breaths. And then last but not least, the C, just one question. Get curious. Ask a question, any question. I don't care what the question is. Just get curious about 
the feeling that you're having, take one small step in action to ask a question because curiosity and fear cannot coexist. I'm going to say it again because it's so important that curiosity and fear cannot coexist. There's no brain mechanism for it because for 200,000 plus years of human evolution, no one ever had a tiger charging them and went, huh, I wonder how fast it's coming, right? Like, you don't have that opportunity. Instinctually, that makes sense. My gut says yes. Is there science that proves that or a study that says curiosity and fear cannot exist? Yes. And I can send you about 16 different references. I'll send it to you for your notes if you're open to it. I'm very, very curious of that. And I think our listeners would be as well, because I can sense some of them might even ask this question. Yeah, that's all fine and dandy, but is that just you making that up or is that science? And I love that you're an actual scientist that can prove it (laughs) through studies. So would love (laughs) to put that in the show notes. Can you share one study or just one reference? Oh, yeah. That's always been one of my biggest things is that I'm never going to tell people to do something unless I have the citations, unless I have the science behind it. The first time somebody told me to meditate, I was like, dude, that is woo-woo. I don't I don't do the woo, right? Like it's out there. That's right. And then I started reading every single scientific paper showing reduced stress, reduced cortisol, better communication. There's one that actually shows in eight weeks time, 20 minutes a day, literally grew brain cells in the frontal lobe. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to do these breathing exercises. I'm going to meditate. Excellent. Got it. I will provide your listeners with a whole set of citations for everything that I'm saying because it is important. And turns out, It doesn't matter how many times I tell you that it's proven. It only matters that you believe it because our brain operates on the truths that you believe. Here's a fun story for you. So talking about the placebo effect, right? A group of housekeepers split into two different conditions. One group is told nothing. The other group is told, do you know that when you're cleaning, you're actually meeting the Surgeon General's requirement for exercise? That's it. That's the only difference between the two groups. All right? Okay. Now, Mm -hmm. in four weeks time, after measuring you know, their steps, their diets, the effort that they're putting in, none of that changes. All of that's factored out of the analysis. After four weeks' time, there's a massive difference between the two groups. The group that is simply told that they're meeting the Surgeon General's requirement has lower weight, lower blood pressure, lower body fat, lower weight to hip ratio, and a lower body mass index. So wow. if you believe it, mm-hmm. it's so. And that's the one of the coolest and one of the most difficult things for people like me who are scientists who are like, but there has to be more. (laughs) What what happened? What did the scientists miss? It's like, well, what they missed was that you've got 80 billion neurons over here with over 400 trillion connections that we don't understand. And they're creating a reality for you that if you live in, that's, that's what ends up being real for you. So yeah, the brain's pretty fascinating. Wow. So down the rabbit hole, I go in another direction over here. Uh, well, I can see you on camera this entire time. And I just have to ask, you have this most amazing energetic nail polish. It's lighting up the room. What is this? It's sparkling and it's energy. You know, what is that? <laughs> okay, so this is really, really funny. I, totally random, I, yes. always, I always go with a very neutral color because, you know, I'm often speaking in corporations and like, I want to be professional. And I was like, but I want this. I really like glitter. I really like sparkles. And so that was the checking in with myself, you know, like, wait, who am I trying to be? Uh, turns out I love sparkles and that's kind of me. So it's a little ridiculous. It's definitely not something maybe a 40 year old professional should be wearing, but 
Thanks for noticing that. I appreciate it. I love it. I, it reminds me of a friend of mine, Julie Riesler. She has a podcast called The Uist You. And Ooh. anything you can do to be true to yourself. And the truest Uist You is glitter sparkles on the fingernail polish. I love it. I love it. I wear crazy socks. I'm I with you. It. There it is. I bought it for a long time. And like we said before, you know, I stopped making decisions out of fear. And I'm constantly checking myself on those because again, the stupidest thing like fingernail polish or one of my more infamous things is that you give me the nicest bottle of red wine. We go out to dinner and you pour this beautiful $200 red wine. I'm going to ask for a diet Sprite to mix it with. Because that's oh. how I like to drink my wine. But that's right. Wow. Yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Every time. And I'm not going to say don't waste it on me because I think it's delicious, but I like it with, with my diet Sprite. So yeah. Oh, <laughs> in my mind, the first thing that came up is I have a friend, whenever they go to get steak, they ask for ketchup. And I'm thinking fine yeah, wine, go. diet Sprite, diet Sprite. You, you want what you want. And we're so worried about the stories of like, oh, what is the person going to think about me? You know what? A... They're thinking about you a whole lot less than you like to think they are. <laughs> we're all way too concerned with like our own stories and how we're showing up. And B, if they're judging you for it, find a better person to hang out with. Yes. It, C, yes. C, they probably are judging you for it. They're probably judging you positively for it though. Like, oh, wow, look at you showing up for yourself. That's pretty amazing. How many people can do that? So I'm curious, <laughs> you went from 12 years old, body image, anorexia, really concerned with others think. You went through this transformation of then I'm going to be me. Is that that time, that month that we've talked about, is that the time that everything shifted to, I don't care what they think anymore, I'm going to be me? Or was it still gradual after that, that you got really, really comfortable in your own skin? I mean, Matt, it's a daily thing for me. I want to tell the world like, oh yeah, I've had this massive transformation and I, I can do anything. I don't care about any. Of course I care. It's very human to care. It's just, I think I'm more conscious of it now. And so I have more of an opportunity to make a choice, to make an active choice rather than I need to do this. I should do that. It's like, okay, I hear you voices. Is that what I want? I would love to hear somebody who actually has made that transformation and done it fully and they're all in it. Every day they wake up feeling the most confident they've ever felt. I don't believe you. I'm sorry, Tony Robbins. I don't believe you. Like, I'm sorry, Mel Robbins. I don't believe you. I I love you. I Actually, Mel Robbins does a good job of being vulnerable with her followership. But anybody, any guru that is out there every day going, oh yeah, I'm completely confident. I, I've done the thing. I've made the transition. I'm like, Really? You never wake up and go, feeling a little fat today. Or you never wake up and I'm worried about how I'm going to come off on this podcast today. I don't believe you. It's such a very human thing to do. Now, I will believe you that you hear that voice and go, okay, I acknowledge that and I'm okay with it, right? Okay, but, okay, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's such an ingrained human thing that the challenge is really not to overcome it. The challenge is to recognize it and make a choice. At least that's my perspective. I don't know. I'd love to hear it if there's differences. Well, this is really connecting with me because going into this that dialogue that we started a minute ago, I wake up and I feel like I'm not concerned with what others think. And I truly want to show up in this way to help serve the world and be the model, mostly model for my kids. And then as you're sharing this, I'm kind of thinking about there's a book I read when my wife gave it to me in Christmas 2016, Tools of Titans, Tim Ferriss. Oh, yeah. It's around page Brilliant. 228. He interviewed Reed Hoffman, LinkedIn. The chief of staff for Reed Hoffman said when directly given insult or criticism, Reed would say, okay, I'm perfectly willing to accept that. 
So that idea of being able to accept and be okay with that maybe I'm fat today or maybe people are judging me today and just be okay with that. I think that's where I'm at now is I'm, I'm okay with that. I accept it. I'm okay with it. So what you're saying is I'm not waking up feeling like I'm just a thousand percent confident every day. I simply am, am able to accept that those things are happening. Acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. I think honestly, if you're waking up a thousand percent confident every day, there's probably something else going on. Like there's probably an overcompensation or a denial of some kind that I'd be concerned with. Yeah. I like that idea of being able to accept. Open to it. Yeah. Well, I'm certainly open to perspectives for sure. Uh, I mean, well, that's the whole idea behind, I talk about being fearless and listen, I'm not talking about fearless. Like you jump into the cage of the hungry tiger, fearless. Like, I think that's dumb, (laughs) that's reckless, (laughs) right? But fearless to me is like fearing less with parentheses around the less. So being consciously aware of, oh, this fear is coming up. Is it valid? What's the cost of my action in doing it? Or what's the cost of the inaction in me not doing it? I think we talk a lot about the cost of actions oh, I might look bad. I might be foolish. You know, it might be a silly thing. We neglect to talk about the cost of inactions. And those, you know, those are the silent sirens of regret. Those are the things that you lay in bed at night going, why didn't I try? Why didn't I go all in? Why didn't I, why didn't I trust in myself enough to give myself that shot? Mm, So, you know, that's, I think that's, yeah, (laughs) that's where I'm coming from. I believe that you have a way, a method that you teach people how to do this. And I'm curious, can you talk about your method and how we might learn from you? I believe you have, I know you have a book and I believe you teach people in a course. So please talk about those. Yeah. So, I mean, my bread and butter is in keynotes. And one of the things that I realized, actually, do you have time for a quick story around this? Of course. This, is, of course. This, was a, this was a game changer for me. I'd just given a keynote and a parent came up to me afterwards. and He was like, listen, my kid is playing in this 15 and under basketball league, but they're like top 100 in the nation. It's a really big league and they're having a terrible weekend. Would you just like come in and give them a pep talk? Okay. Honestly, I'm kind of like, oh, you have to be kidding me. But there's this little voice in my head, like they're kids. Basketball is kind of my jam. Like, oh, okay. So I'm like, let's do it. So I go in and I give probably the worst talk of my life, Matt, because uh-huh. the 15 year old boys, I've completely forgotten what that's like. You know, I'm used to talking to a corporate environment. I'm like getting to the, all of my examples. I'm talking about driving a car. And I'm like, oh, wait, you guys don't drive. All of these disastrous things are happening. Finally, I kind of save it a little bit at the end. I, I give them a couple tips and tricks and it feels okay. But I get invited to go watch this game. And I am watching them. It's going to make me cry again. I'm watching them put these tactics into motion immediately during their game. They had no business winning this next game, Matt. They're struggling. They're fighting their way through it. They're implementing these tactics. And with three minutes to go, they're up by eight. This kid comes off the bench, 15-year-old kid. And he finds me in the crowd. And he just mouths to me. He just says, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. And I wow. lose my mind, just sobbing. And I was like, this is why I do it, right? This is why I do it. And so awesome. often what I find is that, you know, I have this incredible privilege to work in corporate environments and do these keynotes for associations. But I miss sometimes getting to the teenagers, getting to people that aren't going to these meetings, that aren't going to these conferences to see me. And then it's a keynote, right? Like you're retaining maybe 10% of that if you're lucky, 10%. So I wanted to find a way to be in people's lives more and to get that retention built up because, you know, my background is in education as well as whole other topic. We could talk about education another day. So I developed a year-long program. So it is 52 weeks of video modules, like five to 10 minute long modules with a 170 page workbook that goes with it. 
neural habit bands, which are these based on cognitive science to help build better habits throughout the program. And it's an entire year of becoming fearless, of, of strategies going through identity and you know, start, starting with identity, knowing who you are, going through stress and anxiety, confidence, setting boundaries, saying no, showing up through imposter syndrome, and then what I call manifesting for scientists. Like, what is this woo-woo manifestation thing that people keep talking about? There's some science to it. So how do we manifest happiness and joy and goodness in our own life using science? That's the program. I'm pretty excited about it. Heck yes. Those of you who want to go down the rabbit hole and get this amazing course where you can literally have a year of becoming fearless, like working on yourself for yourself, going through identity, confidence, setting boundaries and saying no, manifesting through science, I mean, all of these things. How do we get it? Where do we go? Yeah, yeah. Just go to Dr. Rebecca Heiss, D-R-R-E-B-E-C-C-A-H-E-I-S-S.com and you can get it there. Dr. Rebecca, H-E-I-S-S dot com. And Matt, we didn't talk about this ahead of time, but I am happy to give your listeners a discount. So I'll create a coupon code for you for a 25% discount for listening to this podcast. Yeah. Well, let's figure out what that coupon code is quick. What do you want it to be? Yeah. Fearless Eternal Optimist. That's it. There it is. Fearless Eternal. That's a long coupon code, but you got it. Fearless (laughs) Eternal (laughs) Optimist um, (laughs) is the coupon code. And I will get that set up. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. That's amazing. Yeah, Thank it's my you. pleasure. It's my and- pleasure. I'm so proud of it. Honestly, like I'm so proud of it. It's such a joy to get it into the hands of people that are really taking their life into their own hands, are going all in on themselves. It's yes. exciting. Well, let's say that I have a little bit of trepidation to get started. I feel maybe a little bit nervous to expose myself that I have some fear, that I have this identity, that I have stuff, especially male or female. I feel a little bit nervous. What- sure feedback would you offer me if I'm on the bench and I want to get in the game? I want to work with you. I want to learn from you. I just, I'm a little bit nervous about it. What would be my first step? I'll give you two things. One, I want you to think about where you're going to be a year from now. If you're not going all in on yourself now, what's going to change a year from now? If you're thinking about doing this, well, what's going on? What do you hope will change? What's the transformation that you're looking for? And then the second step of that is reach out to me. I'm very reachable. You know, let's have a conversation. I'll jump on a Zoom with you for 15 minutes. Let's talk through what you're hoping to get out of it. Because the reality is it might not be the right program for you, Matt. I'm not a salesperson. I'm not going to sell you something. I'm a service person. If this is going to be in service to you, my God, I want you to have it. So let's let's have those conversations. And I'm happy to talk to you individually. Awesome. Thank you, Rebecca. Awesome. Amazing. Dr. Rebecca Heiss.com, the coupon code Fearless Eternal Optimist. I just want to make that challenging for you. That's why it's a long coupon code. I, you uh, know what? I love it. It's good. <laughs> It'll be done. Oh. Yes. How else can we find you? Where's the social media place? It's the best to connect with you. Just any place like that. Yeah, you can find me. Dr. Rebecca Heiss. It's always just Dr. Rebecca Heiss on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Instagram is probably the easiest. Facebook, Dr. Rebecca Heiss. You can always go to my speaking website, which is just RebeccaHeiss.com and find out all the information that you need there. But I would say don't hesitate to reach out to me. I genuinely appreciate it and will respond to you. It may take me a hot minute, but I will respond to you and it will be me. I take those relationships seriously. Fantastic. I have to ask, you said earlier, basketball is my jam. What did you mean by that? Basketball is your jam. Because that's my jam too. What do you mean? Let me tell you, Matt. I am almost six foot and I am the shortest person in my family by far. 
So our two awesome. boys are six, seven, six, five. Every male in my family is like six, seven, six. They're, they're giants. We're giants. So naturally it was basketball. Give a shout out to my mom who just played in the senior Olympics. Yes. Thank you very much. In what? basketball. Wow. Yeah, she's a super cool. Olympic gold medalist. I mean, she can kick my butt. It's incredible. So it's kind of in our genes. Fantastic. Oh, this has been fantastic. Well, Rebecca, thank you. Ding, ding, ding. We're going to the lightning round now to start to wrap things oh, up man. today. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fire a few questions at you. Number one, when you hear Eternal Optimist podcast, what does Eternal Optimist mean to you, Rebecca? Good question. Gosh, this is supposed to be lightning round. Oh, I'm, I'm uh, in uh, this uh, freeze uh. response now. Eternal optimist to me is, <laughs> I immediately go to balancing it with realist. I think you can hold eternal optimism and seeking the joy, seeking the positivity in every experience. That's what it is. To me, it's finding adventure where there's ordeal. It's always looking for how can we transition this ordeal into an adventure. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Great answer. Great answer. I was about Thanks. to say a awareness. A <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, let's go, through that. let's go through my own, my own teachings let's go through here. The steps. Yeah. If there were a book or a couple of books that have inspired you, you've learned from one or two of your favorites that have been really helpful for you in your journey, what might one or two of your books been that you've enjoyed? Gosh, that's so hard to narrow down. I'm just going to give you one, Untamed, Glennon Doyle Untamed. And it is targeted towards women, but I want to empower men to read it, all genders. I think it is such a powerful book to releasing yourself of the cages that tame us in society. So yeah, untamed, Glennon Doyle. Awesome, awesome. Game changer. Last question here. If there is a song or a type of music that really gets your energy flowing, it's just your your jam. What is your jam when it comes to, uh, comes to music? <laughs> I'm gonna go right now, it's Lizzo, good as hell. That gets me going every time. Doing my nail check, right? Awesome, yes. <laughs> Love it. Glitter, sparkles, the USU, being you, being real. Love it. Everything has been amazing today. Thank you, Dr. Rebecca Heist at drrebeccaheist.com. Use your coupon code to get her course, Your Fearless Year, which will help you in so many ways to be yourself and to really tame and work through the, some of those biggest, biggest challenges. So, Rebecca, thanks so much for being with us today. It's been a real pleasure and honor. Thank you. I mean, honestly, it has been entirely my privilege and honor. Thanks, Matt. It's been a joy. 